The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nations, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. Pray with me. God, you say at the end of that passage that the zeal of the Lord will do this. We're counting on it. Help us hear your word today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. Um, I couldn't help but go back. We have a, in our kitchen, um, we have a, a friend from a former church who had a, an art class. And in the art class, she was doing ceramics and had to make something. And she made a rather whimsical teapot with a warming uh, stand underneath it and it had characters from the Chronicles of Narnia on it and different different you know, Lucy's on the handle I think and Aslan's part of it and, and it's quite fun and whimsical and then there's a little open book and this is what Lewis uh, wrote that she put there I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen not only because I see it but because by it, I see everything else. I've always thought that's a really fascinating way for Jesus to be talked about. For, for Lewis to say why he believes. It's not that, that it's a, an overwhelming case or argument that's made to him. It just makes sense to him and makes sense of everything else. He sees everything else more clearly through the lens of Jesus. And I think that's just a fascinating way to go through life. Um, um, uh, it's, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, theologian from, from India. But Leslie Newbigin would say that uh, in his conversations with one of his Indian friends who was, who was uh, a Hindu, would say, listen, you have this remarkable book. It's not a book of religion. It's a book of the way things are. It's a unifying story from beginning to end of the way things are. And when Lewis says this, not only does he see everything more clearly, but the Christian story, this witness of who Jesus is, makes sense of everything from beginning to end. It's a clarifying, unifying story of the universe. And... And it's what we're given. 
My life doesn't merely start with Jesus, but continually goes through Jesus as I keep growing, as I keep living. So it's this unifying theory, and it's all caught up in this person of Jesus who was there at the beginning when all things were made and will be there at the end to judge all things and to welcome his people. And along the way, my life goes in and out of the life of Jesus. And I pass through Jesus all the time. And my life is renewed. And sometimes it can feel empty and sometimes it can feel dark. And then I'm drawn back in and through. And the light and life of Jesus keeps being refreshed in the world and in us. I see my neighbor for who they are. So one of the things that this clarity brings is I begin to see my neighbor for who they really are, people beloved by God. You know, Lewis, in that little uh, sermon he did, The Weight of Glory, he talks about it. He says, you know, we, we, all day long we are bumping into people that are either, uh, they're, ever, they're eternal beings, they're either, either everlasting horrors that we'd meet as only in a nightmare or everlasting splendors that we would be sorely tempted to worship if we saw them in all their glory. The human beings are eternal beings because we're going to be caught up in the presence of God. I might say it differently than Lewis now, but I appreciate what he's, what he's talking about. I, um, I see my neighbor for who they are. Reflections of Jesus. And in all those little stories we talked about a few weeks ago, um, uh, things like the gift of the Magi and the cobbler's story and all of that, they all do the same thing, right? Jesus comes and visits in the faces of human beings and visits the people who are longing for him. Our neighbor is perhaps the holiest object presented to our senses. And so through this Jesus, we see everything differently. I see you differently. I see the person next door differently. I see the people two blocks over differently because of Jesus. I see the person at the light down at Placentia and Chapman who's begging differently. We're told that a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests on his shoulders. I love the word authority. I, it's sometimes used heavy-handedly but I love the idea of, of the, that first part of the word author. It comes out of that. Authority comes from the person who sets the rules, the person who gets to dictate what it is. Jesus, God, is the author of our story. I love Newbegin's little part where he says that, that um, every great story has a hero, and in our story, the hero is God. Amen. And God's the author of our being. It's an amazing thing. The source of the way things are authentic. And in Jesus, we get someone who's not only, who not only has authorship, 
but authenticity in the story itself. Jesus is authentically human. He's not humanity on steroids. He's not humanity that's supersized or supercharged. Jesus isn't a superhero. Jesus is humanity as it authentically was intended to be. Caring for neighbor, sacrificial love, turning the other cheek, loving enemies, not just neighbors and friends. All of it, Jesus was those. And we get to see it. Came as a child. And as I said last night, Jesus coming as a child is God's commitment to humility. To coming in a way of vulnerability and humility, not coercive, not powerful in the way we understand it, but a power that subverts the way we think things get accomplished. Jesus acts so differently than the way we think things should be done. He shows us a new way to live, a new kind of authority. You and I are no longer slaves to old ways of thinking and being. Jesus interrupts that. We used to, and, uh, until, until we got aware of a, a bigger world, it used to be B.C. and A.D., before Christ and Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. Um, in textbooks, it was before the Common Era, which is fair enough, and, uh, and C.E., the Common Era. Fair enough. It's much more inclusive of people that may not share our beliefs. But it's pivotal, that moment, Jesus' life, death, and resurrection changes everything about the way we can be. It's, it says this in our text, and I, this is not one that we read fondly every year, but it's this line. The boots of the tramping warriors and all their blood-stained garments will be thrown on the fire for fuel. They'll be transformed from taking life to giving warmth. It's a remarkable image, isn't it? It's like turning swords into plowshares. It's changing this violence that we associate with the, the warrior. And it's taking that violence and using all the garments of war and giving warmth to the cold. I can remember landing at... Uh, uh, Dee and I went to Malawi one year and we... Uh, we couldn't accompany the group. We had a funeral to attend and, and be part of. And uh, so we were late to the thing. We got in really late at night, about, about midnight, I think, in um, the capital city that we were in, in Malawi. And um, we got on this little bus. Somebody was there to meet us. And we got on this little bus. The windows were just kind of grimy and dark. And there was fringe. On, you remember all that? And there was fringe on the, all the windows. It was really surreal. And, of course, the, the streetlights were all kind of yellow. They weren't bright. And then when you leave the streetlights, and we were driving along, and all I remember are these 
uh, farmers uh, tending their fields and they were throwing the slash from the fields on fires by the side of the road. And it reminded me so much of, of what happens to Abraham when he's walking along and, um, and, and is, do I have this wrong? Gosh, I'm just fuzzy this morning. But it reminds me of stories of, of fires by the side of the road and people warming themselves. And those, those people in Malawi warming themselves by the fire. And I just think it's such a remarkable gift, this warmth, and such a turn of events. Power is held in peace, not in violence. It's not the keeping of the peace. It's the absence of violence and of war. It's the presence of peace. What does peace feel like? Remember, as I shared Beekner's little comment last a couple weeks ago, or, and, and it was that, that um, peace isn't the absence of war, it's the presence of love. So as you sit here this morning, you're watching online, what does that feel like to you? For me, it feels like home. Home is where love is. Home is where I can be myself and not be rejected. Home is where I feel most at ease. It might be different for you. And then our text keeps moving and it says, he shall be called Wonderful Counselor. I was overhearing... uh, Dee's Bible study on Saturday morning. And, and there was some comment in that that you participate in. And one of the comments was something about he's a wonderful counselor and he's wonderful. And he's a counselor. And it was like there was this breakdown of wonderful counselor. And I thought it was quite, quite fun, actually, as they were, I was listening to that little part. I don't listen in very much. So if you're part of that Bible study, I am not listening. I just heard that little bit. That's it. I promise. Um, But in modern terms, I'd look at that and say that the prerequisite to being a great counselor is to be a really intense listener. That, That to be really good at this, you've got to be able to listen really well and accurately so that when you speak, you reflect what the other person has said exactly the way they intended it to come across. That's when you know you've got a good therapist, a good counselor in your life. When they actually, and the language I would be, I would use is they get you. Think about it with our neighbors. Think about if we would change our attitude towards our neighbor from what we think is good for them. to respond to what their heart's desires really are. We are told in the New Testament that God will give us the desires of our hearts. 
So if we're a reflection of the light of God in Jesus, what difference does it make? We begin to listen well and we hear the desires of our neighbor's hearts and we address those because that's what God wants to do. Not what we think is good for others, but the deep desire of their hearts. Then people will be heard, they'll be known. Jesus hears, Jesus sees his sheep, and the sheep hear his voice, and they come to him. And then we're told that Jesus will be called Mighty God. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight in the little town of Bethlehem. I think I just want to leave you with one thought. That today is the day of salvation. Now is the time. This is the moment. This is the moment where God wants to get at you and bring more light and more love into your life. This Christmas day. Margaret, what were you telling me that you came, you, you immigrated on Christmas Eve? Wow. Think about that as changing your citizenship then. And this is the day to make your citizenship to be where Jesus is, not where you, your address is. Be his people this day and all days. Pray with me.